1: Hello, happy Tuesday. We're back with another cool guest podcast, and this is the guest podcast that makes me feel like I'm somehow legit. <laughs> we, we have we have Billy okay. Johnson back on the podcast. Yeah, he's Billy, back. thanks
0: for joining us, man. Hey man, welcome.
2: Oh, thanks for thanks for having me back. Good this, to be back. This
0: is cool. Well Billy just came off his six hours of spa win mm-hmm. with Olivier Pla and Stefan Muka. And man, <laughs> we feel like we're talking to, you know, a celebrity here. Yeah, seriously.
2: I don't know about that. I feel uh, like I'm talking to two celebrities right now. Well, you know,
1: well, we, we've had we've had a nice nice little recording already. We're all feeling good about ourselves. Thanks for joining us. Good, good to have everybody on the podcast today. No, here's here's the thing. When when you drive uh, that long race at Spa, I have this little tiny connection to it because I go I've been on that track, and then I think about the speeds and the reality of that thing, and I go. Okay, I've kind of been on the track. I can tell you which way it goes and kind of what it feels like, but then there's this whole other level. So huge congrats to you, and I love that it's uh, it's the GT as well.
2: Thanks. Yeah, it's been a long time coming for the, the 66 car since now we're in uh, year three of the Ford GT's return to racing and Ford's return to uh, global racing on, on that scale. And out of all four cars, so for the listeners who haven't, uh, I've been following it. There's two Ford GTs that race in the United States in the Insta Series, and then there's two that race in the World Endurance Championship that travels all over the world, and I drive uh, one of the European cars. And uh, out of all four cars, the 66 car has never won a race. So to to get that monkey opera back, yeah. So it's been heartbreaking for that team because, uh, like, I'm a third driver. I don't do the uh, entire championship and Mm. uh i have great co-drivers they're very fast uh good drivers the the team works really hard we have great team engineers you name it but just uh it's racing things happen and there's just been like a black cloud over the 66 car so i'm Mm. ecstatic for the whole group my teammates and uh obviously for for myself but i'm just really happy that uh everybody involved in in that car finally have uh add justice to all the the hard work that uh, they put into the program over the years. That's awesome.
0: That's I, really great. I want to ask you about race day, but I have to jump ahead because, like Todd said, we've been there on mm-hmm. spot yeah. driving yeah, yeah. non race cars on street tires yes. and knowing how scary O Rouge is just in a street car. And then, yeah, we watched the accident. We watched you know a lot of the race footage. It was just you know I've been there. I've done that. I yeah. know what it feels like in an M two thirty five I with yeah. street tires. In your perception, what's O Rouge like? Well of course you've got downforce and you know it's an Well there's entirely different league, but I'm just curious that feeling of O Rouge. That's that's the add on question,
1: Billy. Is the first question I have to ask you is do you guys lift in O Rouge? Because of course in a streetcar you have to lift. Oh yeah. No kidding. So
2: you guys weren't braking, you guys just did a a lift in the the streetcars?
1: No, there's there's that's the thing. It's a little bit of braking and then and then off the gas to (laughs) roll through the bottom and then you're back on the gas as you head up the hill.
2: I don't know if I said this last time I was on uh, the podcast, but uh the first time I went through old Rouge, like I I practiced it in uh i racing on, on sure. my simulator and sure. also I've been on uh, Multimatic's like million dollar crazy simulator. So I I felt good about the track, knew where it went, but just the the vertical loading of Old Rouge at that kind of speed is is insane. And and the first time I was ever on that track one out of uh, the pits and uh, pit lanes a little bit closer to roof, So you're not going quite as fast, but you're, Mm -hmm. you're close to it. And, and uh, I knew that in those types of cars on brand new stickers with high downforce setup, uh, it may or may not be flat, but a half throttle lift uh, should be conservative enough to uh, be at speed and, and still leave some, margin on the the table so coming out of pit lane i was full throttle entered the ruse went to half throttle turned in and as soon as i hit that compression my head went down and i'm like looking at the steering wheel i'm looking at my feet and i'm like trying to pick my head up because i did not expect that kind of vertical loading and i'm like struggling against the g looking up and it was just uh yeah it caught me off guard and uh just did not expect that kind of uh g-forces and then you get used to it, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, something else just from, uh, from that. So you kind of have to brace yourself and anticipate that, that hit in that compression to, uh, just keep your eye line mm. up. Mm. But, wow. uh, as far as taking the, the corner, yeah, it's in those cars, it's like I said, either flat on, on new tires, depending on the setup and, and BOP with the weight of the car and, and you name it. Oh, But cow. if it's not flat, it's, it's, really close to flat with like a a very small lift half throttle or three quarters, uh, staying three quarters throttle, just a minor lift. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) I've taken it flat a a lot. And, uh, you are are really dealing with uh, inches in terms of your turning point and Mm -hmm. your turning point dictates the rest of the corner. If you're going to go off, if you're going to have to gather it at the top of the hill and completely ruin your, uh, your run down the the straightaway to uh, turn five. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you have to be so precise with your turn, in, you have to be so precise with how you hit the the compression, apexing it at the the right side of the road on the top of the hill Mm -hmm. uh, to Mm -hmm. be able to to carry that speed and to be able to do it flat or, or near flat.
0: And for those of you listening, that's actually how the 66 car, this team, won. And I was so happy for you because you and a 911 were coming down hot into Eau Rouge on the last lap. And I I can't remember if you were driving or not, Billy, but the, the 66 car was there. And past the 911 going into eau rouge and i thought wow i'm so happy for you guys and you passed 9-11 <laughs> which you have such mixed emotions about yes it, it was very mixed feeling no i i i could it was amazing to see that and you know for people who have seen the track todd and i've been out there mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. ron simons on a track walk so yeah. every time we've gone which <laughs> well, that's that's the big
1: couple times three times that's now, the big speech that Ron gives every time you like folks you may think you're going to come in here and not brake and not lift and take it flat out and we will we will be gathering up your car. So yeah. please brake, please lift, please do what we're telling you. And so that's why I wanted to have this discussion because you and I have gone in and actually multiple cars at this point, we've driven multiple cars around there. I mean, come on, the Alpha 4C versus the, oh, the M235i are yeah. two totally different worlds. But in both cases, it's like, okay, must brake. Okay, now must not be on the gas yet. And, you're, and it's interesting, Billy, that I'm relating a little bit to you. I, I, I stress the little bit here because <laughs> Because lap to lap to lap, the slight variation of setup for that corner, that that corner is a series of dominoes. If you mm-hmm, screw up the sure. beginning, it just keeps getting worse. You know, it's just it's not like oh I'll be okay. No, no, no. By the time you get to the top of Ready On, it's just all over the place. Yeah, no kidding. So it, it's very interesting to hear your perspective on it because that. Now, extra fast and
0: extra flat. I'm a little horrified right and, now. and being standing out there on the track and, you know, you think, okay, it looks kind of like a gentle curve and slightly uphill. No, when you're standing on it, you're, you know, you're having trouble balancing. You know what I mean? You're, you, you walk it. It's, it's steep it's for an an sure. It's an entirely yeah, yeah. different thing. So it's just, it's really cool to hear that. Okay, so back to race day, Billy. Uh, it's still fresh in your mind. So on race day, when you guys were getting ready, this was the six hours and we're mm-hmm. coming up to 24 hours in June here. But for race day, what are you guys thinking about? How do you prep yourself? I know there's questions at the end. You know, people are talking about everything from conditioning to headspace to mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. But what are you doing on race day?
2: On race day, I'm trying not to uh, think much about it. If you get wrapped up in uh, in the moment or cause more uh, pressure, or anxiety, or expectations on on yourself, that uh, that I guess for for any sport, that's a, a disservice. So I'm just trying to stay relaxed, uh, get everything I need to do accomplished wise from a a PR standpoint, from a preparation standpoint, and, uh, yeah, just uh, enjoying it. There's a bunch of fans there. It's great to see that kind of uh, support, which uh, I think we're starting to see more uh, fans at, like the IMSA races now that IMSA and and Grand Am have have combined. But over in Europe, there's still just, more fans there's more excitement so just to be able to uh see that and uh, appreciate that is uh is really neat to to experience when competing over there so not trying to uh think too much and uh just getting ready to uh do my job when it's my turn in the car
0: sure and i would think that's the case you know in any kind of competitive situation you're just you're there you're getting warmed up you're ready you've done all your prep work so there's nothing emergency to be done you know you've theoretically prepped in advance and that's why you're you know you're ready to go you didn't
1: just show up this morning and go what are we doing
2: what's going on <laughs> yeah. hey guys what are we doing today on the so a lot of people hour. do ask me even even at this or especially for lamar like you excited like what do you think you're at lamar it's amazing you're driving a four gt and and i definitely uh realize the magnitude of all of that but uh, you try not to think about it because if you mm-hmm. think about it like oh wow this this is a big deal and it, it just uh it can mess you up so like i I try to ignore all of that and, and just try to, uh, yeah, live in the moment, appreciate the moment, and uh, do uh, the best job I can behind the wheel.
1: That's really cool. I'm curious about stints, and this may be—I mean, look, this may be a liquid question—but I'm curious about on a six-hour race, how are stints decided? How long are your stints supposed to be, and how, how are they decided?
2: So, six hours, three for us. We have uh, three drivers per car. A couple other teams did the same. Um, other teams ran. Uh, just their two full-time drivers. And uh, so just easy math. Uh, each driver would do about two hours, and uh, depending on yellows, safety cars, and, and whatnot, fuel stints are around an hour, a little under an hour, so depending how that all plays out, usually it, it nicely ends up being roughly two hours per driver. So since we can run about an hour, we do two spints and uh, okay. yeah, just adjust. The, the final fuel fills based off of how the, the race played out with, with yellow flags. So you if get... it ran green the entire way, we probably would have to have an additional splash of fuel at some point, mm-hmm. but uh, that just goes into the strategy of how the race plays out.
1: Sure. So so when you get in, you're expecting to be in for two hours. I mean, things could change, but you're expecting a two-hour stint.
2: Yes. Yep. Interesting.
1: Okay. And is that the same for Le Mans or does, does that get mixed up for Le Mans?
2: Uh, Le Mans, because obviously the race is uh, much longer, 24 yeah. hours, it's uh, a lot more fluid. And uh, since we also did Daytona, uh, the 24 hours of Daytona, the 12 hours of Sebring over the years, rarely we you see uh, a driver do a, a one-hour stint. But actually, now that I, I say that, um, if you watch the, the race at Spa, Some of the teams did pit and did a driver change right at the one-hour mark. That Hmm. was uh, their strategy. I didn't follow their full race and and driver uh, change strategy, but uh, for us, we do two, two, and two. And then for uh, Le Mans, rarely will we see a one-hour driver stint. Normally, it will be a two-to-three-hour, but at Le Mans the past two years and Daytona, uh, I had about a four-hour stint in in all three of those races. Wow. Oh, wow. Four hours. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't know how that ended up happening, but uh, yeah, I, in those races, I somehow ended up being in the car for a really long time. I mean,
1: it's, it's exactly Gosh. like a four-hour road trip. It's not; it's, it's exactly the same. You got your cruise control and the air conditioning's blowing, I, and you listen to your favorite kind of music, feeling. and maybe I'll turn on an
0: audiobook. I'm here for four hours. It's <laughs> going to be a while. It's going to be fine. It's exactly the same. It's about I don't relax. Know, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, twenty-four hours, as I said, is coming up, and you guys have been doing a lot of testing. You said you were out earlier this week, I think. Obviously, that's on your minds. Are you in the car again with the same guys, same team, everything? Are you adding a fourth driver? Is it just the three of you again? And are you making changes? I mean, do you do different track setups? You know, it's funny because now that you've got the winning car, you know it's dialed. Your team is clicking. What changes are you making for the 24-hour race?
2: So for Le Mans, pretty much across all the classes, there's only three drivers per car. And if you look at uh, like the twenty-four hours of Daytona, some of the top-level pro prototype and uh, GPLM cars run three drivers per car, but some of the pro-am teams run four or even five drivers per hmm. car. But hmm. at Le Mans, it's almost always three drivers. That's kind of the—I don't know if it's a rule or the just the history behind it—but that's what it ends up uh, working it's just out.
0: Tradition. We're yeah. we're going with three. Everybody does
2: three. <laughs> so as far as preparing, Preparing for uh, Le Mans, we've done uh, testing in the, the off-season. Uh, we have a new tire for 2018, uh, working with Michelin, just like they do on the, the road cars. Michelin fine uh tires for uh, specific cars and uh, the needs of the car, the weight, mm-hmm. the weight distribution, the downforce level, the suspension geometry, the tire loading. There's so much into that in our new 2018 tire. Uh, was an improvement over the 2017, but a lot of fans may not know this, but Le Mans has a specific tire across everybody. Every Seriously. team has a specific tire for Le Mans, or actually a couple sets, a couple different mm. compounds, uh, because the track is so long, the straightaways are so long, and the tires cool down. Then you have a quick chicane, another long straightaway mm. hairpin. Mm. The way that the, the tire heats up and cools down, and the energy that goes into the tire is different than pretty much any other track on the schedule or
1: that's even fascinating kind of in the
2: world. That's fascinating. Yeah. So like our new twenty eighteen tire works well at uh, at Spa, but that known performance doesn't translate to what our Le Mans twenty eighteen tire is gonna do. And then from a balance of performance standpoint, I don't I'm not sure, but uh, the last time I checked they haven't released the, the BOP for Lamas so nobody knows how much they're going to weigh how much power they're going to be able to make
3: hmm, hmm. and
2: and that can change like right? just looking at history from the practice and testing the week beforehand to the race or to qualifying and then even after qualifying there's BOP changes before the race uh, there's so many unknowns and then also the strategy of what teams do in terms of going slower to try to get concessions at what point, like there's been drama and controversy over mm, all yeah. of that uh, in the past. And quite frankly, like that's just the, the nature of the fact that there is a BOP, how there is subjective changes of those rule packages rather than uh, what I like is uh rewards weight where if you perform well, you, heavier so then you go slower but then there's also strategy in that uh like world challenge teams back in the day i don't know what their rules are now but like you'd want to finish second place at every race you don't get the weight and then you win the championship oh interesting, so interesting. there's a lot of different
3: sure.
1: right.
2: ways to play all of this and uh to be able to say oh yeah we're confident we're gonna win or uh we we definitely think that team's uh gotten edge it there's speculation, but nobody knows.
3: Of
1: course so, not. Well, Le Mans is the, great, the great question mark every year, I feel like, anyway. I love that there's a Le Mans tire. No, 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 not those
0: ones. Those are for Le Mans. I love <laughs> exactly. that. That's great. <laughs> exactly. Well, we should jump into this car debate here. For Greg, he's out in Manhattan, and this is the Escape from New York edition because he writes to us and says he's been watching for a, for a few years. He's even thought about purchasing some of the vehicles we've talked about. But he wants a car because he lives in Manhattan. He said he's, he's kept this car on and off over the years in the most unreasonable city to keep a car. But he just wants something that he can load up with mm-hmm. golf and you know surf gear and whatever that is and escape for the weekend with his friends, with his buddies, get out yeah. of town. But it still has to be kept and parked and yeah. you know stored in New York City. But
1: that's the thing. If you, if you live in Manhattan… And you are a car guy. You are a dedicated car guy because it is not set up for you to have and enjoy a car. The, the The cost of just storing your car is so exorbitant that if you I mean, this is what Jerry Seinfeld owns like a garage somewhere in Manhattan because, of course, it's, he's Jerry Seinfeld. he yeah, has that kind nice of money. But, kind of but, money. The, but the point is, if you want a car and you want to live in Manhattan, you are dedicated to having a car, and that is Greg, which is cool. He says uh, most of his trips are at least an hour. He may do five hours with three, four buddies. And and they're off doing something, and it's always fun. So we have to, It has to really haul stuff, in both the uh, speed and gear perspective. It has to haul, which is good. He's uh, about a six foot tall guy, kind of a big guy. So he's thinking, okay, me and all of my similarly sized friends. Right. So there will be right. no Miatas in this discussion. Just to put it out there. And there will be. There will not be a Lotus Elise. <laughs> Uh, We won't shop. Is this even a discussion
0: for you guys? Yeah, I know. Bread and butter. What are we going to do? do? We can't talk
1: (laughs) Porsche or Lotus. What are we going to do? I'm completely involved. I don't understand. What's
0: going on here? So, yeah, Greg, thank you for writing in. This is going to be pretty different for us. And I'm glad that we've got Billy here to offer some suggestions, too, because Billy's in Europe frequently, I would say. And, you know, he says, if I were in Europe, the answer would be easy. RS4, RS6 Avant. He's been looking at X5Ms, Mm -hmm. Cayennes, Mm -hmm. BMW wagons. He's looked at a 2011 Audi A6 Avant. And then the big GL450 Mercedes SUV. He's also talked about the F-Pace, Jaguar F-Pace 3.5 and the Alfa Romeo Stelvio Sport. Pretty interesting, the Stelvio just doesn't strike me as a big enough car for what he's describing. It's interesting, Greg, because you describe golf bags and surf gear and ski gear and all this stuff with five big people. And then, you know, you're suggesting maybe a car that I don't see that happening unless you've got a roof rack or a trailer behind you. Yeah, I don't think the Stelvio's hatch is big enough for a lot of this discussion. I mean, That's so, what so I we're talking about yeah. bigger cars. It's, it's not often that you and I go there. You know, it's talking bigger cars, but still some performance. Got to be comfortable. I think, Greg, you're open to either sedans or SUVs, it sounds like. You're kind of open to things. And then it says, my perfect fit is a Tesla P100D, S or X. But those are out of my price range. And, Greg, you didn't give us a specific budget, which means we're going to probably, probably guess, blow well, that
1: up. Well, but but we're su- he's suggesting, based on that reality of those Teslas, that we're, we're under six figures here. That, I would and think we're, so. we're assuming, yeah. but we're probably under six figures here. Because everything he's talking about that he's looked at, you could theoretically get one and certainly used for under six figures. Now, I will say to Greg real quickly, if you really want the Tesla, you can get a used one of those could you know i mean you you could could go shop use teslas and you could actually get under six figures you can get ones that are running 60 to 70 grand and that is a possibility so i mean i don't think they're completely out but obviously you're not going to get a new one is what it sounds like so i'm very curious where we're all going on this uh we need to haul stuff i have i have kind of my very favorite on this but i wanted to speak to some
0: other ones where are you guys all right, Billy, I'm turning things over to you. We, we know kind of the budget range. You've looked at the cars that he's looking at here. You've seen the cars that he's thinking about. I, I mean, I love the RS6 Avant or the RS4 Avant, but an A4 just doesn't strike me. That size doesn't strike me as good for what we're talking about here. So it's got to be big enough for all the stuff and people, mm-hmm. but still small enough for Manhattan. I well, don't know that we're going to accomplish small either. enough for it to have fun because yeah,
1: it, small enough for Manhattan is I don't have a car that's small enough for Manhattan.
0: So. so we're, 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 <laughs> we're above that either way. That's Agreed. anyway. Yeah. Okay. So Billy, where did you go?
2: Yeah. So since you're already uh, down that road, I, I definitely think uh, an A4, uh, that class of, of car cars is just too small. So you're looking at like uh, a five series BMW, a, a E series Mercedes, the E63 wagons, my buddy uh Liam has one of those, and that thing is a, a blast. It mm-hmm. is just a, a rocket ship, so to get your performance bug fixed, uh that is definitely up that alley. Plus, with it being a, a wagon, you can throw a bunch of stuff and fill it to the, the roof in the back. So that kind of popped out in my head, or the, the BMW M5 wagon. I don't know when they... Well, in the first year of that was and if you could get a, a used one of those within the, the budget but as far as wagons go the a6 or the rs6 uh, or e63 or, or m 5 would would be kind of my three go-to's uh, for wagons
0: I mean it seems and like the wagon thing is you know you kind of think that it would it feels be a like natural the fit salt. They're just not as popular here, you know. You see well, them everywhere in Europe. Yeah. rs 6 I would love it if
1: it were here. I, wish it was I here, don't yeah. think people would buy it. Yeah, well, not enough people would buy. It, but I'm amazed honestly that the E63 survives. Great one by the way, Billy. I'm I'm amazed it survives. I mean, there's you and I've been biking before here in Park City and it's SUV, oh, yeah. SUV, Subaru, Subaru, whatever weird ridiculous thing you and I brought. And then an E63 wagon shows up tonight. And it's it's kind of smoked out and he's got I forget what it is, but he's got a funny license plate that kind of winks at the fact that you don't know what my car is but I can kill you. Is kind of what the right, license plate winks right. at. Yeah. <laughs> and and I love it. It's got, you know, he's got a bike rack on the back. It's it's killer. So that E63 wagon, I'm surprised, Greg you didn't mention that, because you mentioned the big Mercedes uh, SUV, but the E63, what could you get with one of those used? That is they really a great one.
2: don't hold their value that well. That's true. So you could get a couple-year-old one uh, very reasonably where the, the first owner takes the, the huge hit, mm-hmm. and you pretty much have a brand-new car yeah. uh, that is just... Uh, they sound awesome. They're really comfortable inside, so as far as uh, big people Hitting in there, I, I think that's right up that alley. And then uh, they have a, a pretty reasonable space in the back. And sure, it doesn't scream sports car, but the, the sleeper aspect is, sure. uh, is always pretty cool. For sure. I agree with that.
0: I like that. Okay. So I was a little bit mixed on things. I divided it into sedans and SUVs. Okay, cool. I have only one SUV, but I think it could work. For sedans, I was thinking Audi S8. I initially hmm, thought RS7 okay. Audi, but then okay. I thought, okay, let's go a little bit bigger, the Audi S8. Mm-hmm. Buy the most you can for your budget, Greg, or, of course, the newest, fastest Panamera for your budget. <laughs> Those are big cars, <laughs> yes. but this, the back center you know, seating area, I don't know that you're going to get five people in there. They're really built for four. I mean, the S8, which is yes, fine. more so than the Panamera. But That's yeah. kind of why I thought yeah. Audi S8. And then I even thought, okay, something totally different for you, Greg, Charger Hellcat? Those are big cars. The they Charger, are. to begin they with. Are. If anybody had a reason to buy a Hellcat, it's probably you because <laughs> we're talking about loading the car up with people, and yeah. you want power when it's under you know five people in the car and a bunch of gear. Yeah, I see. Where okay, you're going. now we've got the proper engine to be able to yeah. cruise like you want to. I had the Kia Stinger GT out there, but based on our discussion, I don't know that that's going to be a, a fit here. Maybe, maybe not. It's worth, Greg. It's worth
1: you driving. Honestly, even if it hasn't been on your radar to this point, brand new one running your fifty K, at least go drive the Stinger. It's a pretty good sized car. It's not it's not S eight size. It's not, you know, a Hellcat charger, but it's 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 more toward that end than it is a
0: three series if you want to think about it in in comparison. It's worth driving. That's a good one. Okay, so for my SUV choice, I just have one, Greg, and that is a twenty eighteen Dodge Durango SRT. This is the SRT motor, 475 horsepower. They start at about $64,000. So, yes, they're definitely on the high side, but I like the size of this car. I like that they are kind of a sleeper. Mm -hmm. You think, okay, it's just the family truckster, but no, you've got a lot of power, and they're nice inside, and the 2018s are great. The interior is nice. It feels more luxurious than you would initially think. Durangos have come a long way since their first iteration way back whenever they came out. They're bigger car now. There's a lot of space, a lot of comfortability in this car, and I think you could get all your gear. I'm thinking, what does Chevy and what does Ford make in the category of a Durango SRT? Not a lot, to be Ford, honest. Edge Sport. Edge Sport, yes, yes. But we're
1: smaller now. But bravo on speaking up on behalf of Ford, though. Well done on that regard. <laughs> Agreed. But yeah,
2: yes. Yeah, so again... <laughs> I, I try not to be too biased in general car discussions because I, I just love cars. But, uh, since you threw it out there, uh, the Edge Sport, uh, I'm six foot and there's plenty of room to sit in the front seats and have leg room in the back. And there's a decent amount of, uh, room in the, the trunk. I'm not sure how it compares square footage wise to the Durango, but mm-hmm. it's kind of in that same size vehicle that, uh, I did look at the, the F Pace and, uh, the trunk of that seemed to be a little bit smaller than the, the Edge Sport. And my wife has a, an Edge Sport, and mm-hmm. that thing is uh, a riot with the 2.7-liter the twin-turbo V6. It's uh, over 300 horsepower. It, it moves really good. It handles sure like a, a sedan. So, yeah, the Durango's a, a great option. Uh, looking for that, I I think uh, the Edge Sport could definitely be uh, considered in that new, more affordable uh, price range sure. for a, a sporty SUV.
0: But you've got a good point here, because, you know, as I said earlier about the exterior dimensions, the Durango's not small. I like it for the interior space, and I like it for the engine. But on the other hand, imagine parking that thing anywhere in a car park in Manhattan. Sure, sure. Maybe you've got a point here, Billy. The Edge Sport or the F-Pace could do better just from exterior dimensions, and if they're mm-hmm. still nice on the inside, you know, as far as space, dimensions, people, gear, all that stuff then it could be a consideration because that's the balance is Mm -hmm. the exterior dimensions versus what you're getting. And I think, yeah, Durango could be nice. It's plenty of space. It's like a couch in the third row all the way back there, (laughs) but they're big cars too. So that's the problem. I'm trying to weigh that. So, okay. I I like your suggestions. I like you throwing that in there too.
2: From uh, a price standpoint with uh, a new car, the Durango and the Ford Edge uh, Sport being new, those are good options, but going into the, the few year old mark. And also, I think, uh, what, um, what he said he wanted or his options of like an X5M, those things are a blast. I really like mm-hmm. those. They are great. Uh, also a Porsche, uh, Cayenne, whether a base Cayenne or a GTS, those things are a riot and also, uh, are very sporty, comfortable inside, can fit four people comfortably and, and a decent amount of room, so I would uh, definitely throw those into the, the mix and agree with them that those are good options in uh, the used market.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to speak to those two specifically. I think the X5 M and the Cayenne GTS. I think you would enjoy either of those. You're going to need to go drive one, Greg. In both cases, and here's why I say that. And you're going to need to drive one with the weird headspace of. I mean, you could you can think about what you're going to be packing in these, because the problem with both of those, and I say that as an owner, problem with both of those is that the the back hatch now has got a tilt to it. They've Restricted, if you will, or invaded a little bit of your storage space because the back hatch has got a nice rake to it. Well, for the sake
0: of styling and for the sake of look. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: The, the Cayenne that my wife and I have, the first gen has got a good amount of space in the rear hatch. The, the newer one has got the same amount of floor space, but the, the roof restricts further. Right. So how right. are you packing it? Now, it may be fine, but the other thing about the X5M and the and the GTS again, both of them even, I mean, in normal world or on a track, you're like, how is this this capable? But you also might be in a situation where four guys are probably going to be very happy. Five may be a bit cramped. But I want to come back to our pilgrimage experience, which was okay. a, a, a current gen or actually I guess second gen because they're just coming out with a third. Second gen Cayenne GTS. Yeah. Four of us Many, many, many Pelican cases. We probably had over a hundred pounds of camera gear plus all of our personal bags. Yeah,
0: backpacks and going one hundred and seventy kind
1: of plus on the autobahn <laughs> like it's nothing. Okay, so so that is an amazing car to do everything you are talking about if it's big enough for you storage wise. The the unknown here is look you can put skis on the roof. The unknown here of course, is yeah. what are you really hauling and how much space do you really need because skis and things are easy to get outside the car. You have to drive those. There is one we haven't brought up. Okay, I. Billy got close, so I'm going to give the bookend on the other end because I love that E63 for you, Greg. We need to talk about the Cadillac CTS-V wagon. You're
0: right. I just don't know if the interior space will cut it on that car. I think it's comparable to everything else we're talking about, You open about, the though. boot on that thing, and it's, hey, it's a wagon. Why is there not enough space
1: in this wagon? It's not a tall back but it's but it's got a good amount of distance on it, so I okay. think I think you need to okay. take a serious look. And and these things selling right now, you know that big that big supercharged engine, the six speed. It's before the Cadillac Q system, so you avoid that problem as well. They're selling for about sixty grand. It's got to be inside your budget. That's true. Nobody's going to know what that car is. You can get people in gear in it. So, I mean, that's, I mean, you and I climbed all in and out of that one that we drove for a fast blast, and I, I kept being surprised by how usable and fun it was at the same time. We did like that. CTS 20 wagon. If, if it was me Somewhere deciding there? for you, Greg, right now, I would say you drive the E63 and the CTS V and you pick one but I, I have to bring it up for sure.
0: And if you have leftover money, I'll say, if, if it's... Left,
1: uh, on this podcast? <laughs> leftover money? What is this weird thing we're talking about?
0: Well, I was, I was thinking about John Hennessy, the tuner in Texas. You know, whatever budget you have left over, if you can find a deal on a CTSV wagon, you could take it to him and say whatever you yes. want to do to it, and then boost the power on that thing if you want. I mean, that'd be a unique car, Except especially the, in Manhattan. The leftover money
1: in this scenario <laughs> is going to go to getting a parking space that's bigger than compact. Well, that's true. That's where it's going to go to. He might have anyway.
0: to cut his budget in half and so it's uh, you know honda accord for you my friend and then congratulations you can afford to park in
1: manhattan so, so we have that question greg where we we hope
0: we've been helpful but uh,
1: <laughs> we're glad for you writing in and billy great suggestions as well so we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back
0: if you like sports you should check out real gm radio Danny LaRue, the basketball expert, sports writer and podcaster has a show here on Podcast One SportsNet. He breaks down all things NBA with some of NBA's best thought leaders.
1: For in-depth conversation breaking down the NBA playoffs, check out Real GM Radio every Thursday on Podcast One SportsNet and Apple Podcast. Also remember to rate that show and this one.
2: I'm not going very far. It's too uncomfortable. I'm in a hurry. Sometimes I just forget.
0: There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. You're not only putting yourself at risk of injury or death, it could also cost you lots of money. Cops are writing tickets, so why take the risk? Do the smart thing and start buckling up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. You know what's a must-have in your car care arsenal? It's a brush hero. This is the water-powered detailing tool that's perfect for tough areas like wheel spokes and engines, tailpipes and grills, and even bicycles. Interestingly, Brush Hero requires no batteries or electricity. It scrubs slowly with an impressive amount of torque. This was created by Car Guys. It's designed to be tough, quick, and
1: effective without causing damage. It's easy to use. Just hook it up to a standard garden hose, flip the handy on-off switch, and start cleaning. Brush Hero is a great gift idea, and they've got an extensive line of gift sets
0: and accessories. And now, our listeners can enjoy 10% off their order at BrushHero.com with code DRIVER. You can also find the Brush Hero at select Costco and Walmart stores. But don't forget to use the code DRIVER at BrushHero.com for 10% off, and all orders over $40 ship free.
1: Everybody's got a to-do list. You drop off the dry cleaning, you pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add Save Hundreds of Dollars
0: in Car Insurance. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15%
1: or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing on your to-do list today. Geico presents Eyewitness Interviews with Inanimate Objects.
0: This is Brian Bruno, live on the scene of a recent windstorm, here to describe the event A Chest of Drawers.
1: There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window.
0: Were you hurt?
3: (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest.
1: Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call Geico to see how affordable
0: homeowners insurance can be. We're back with Billy Johnson and uh, having interesting time discussing racing and giant SUVs and all kinds of stuff. But there were some great questions on social media, especially one from Wafi.Y on Instagram here, who's asking about the different classes of endurance and track racing. Mm. And I thought this would be good, Billy, for you to jump in with because, yes, you're in the World Endurance Championship, but there's other sanctioning bodies. There's other racing. I'm just curious... You're, you mentioned early on that you don't do the full season with these guys, so what other kinds of racing do you do, and in what other classes? But first of all, if you could just sort of back up and break it down, and also relate it to the interests of, you know, there's the top end, there's the, you know, LMP cars for Le Mans and the Formula One cars, but, you know, it's almost like the better wheel-to-wheel racing is in the class you're in, the GTE and you know, that kind of thing. So would you break that down and kind of explain no where you're at? No pressure, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So for the World Endurance Championship, there's four classes. Uh, there's two prototypes and two GT cars. And in each class, there's uh, a pro-pro, which just called pro, and uh, a pro-am mm-hmm. category. So in the prototypes, there's LMP1. Which used to be the the Porsche and the, the Audi, and and now Toyota is the, the front runner, uh,
0: right, right
2: for for that. And then there's actually a couple of uh, privateer teams running LMP ones that it's a different rule set. They're not hybrids. There's there's a lot hmm. to that, and, and wow. there's some controversy of that because I don't know they they're really trying to. Uh, have Toyota win and and win uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans since they've never done that. Uh, So I don't know. I I don't really care too much for that class. Uh, And it might be going away for something much cooler, which we could say here in a a minute. Hmm. Then um, the Pro-Am prototype is LMP2. So you have professionals and you have – amateur businessmen, uh, you name it, that, that helped with uh, funding. And there's a lot of those cars. There's mm. a lot of LMP2s. They look just like the P1s. So for your average viewer, it's uh, a little hard to distinguish those two. But they have less power and they're slower than the the LMP1s. Hmm,
0: okay. Should we just show and the amount of money that they're spending, you know, along with their track speed and their braking there, g-forces? There's a
1: ticker on the side, yeah.
2: Here's
0: how much money they've put into this car yeah. versus, the, you see that faster car? They put more money in. That's this, why they're faster. This
1: this driver did this donation. That's why he's in the seat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's terrible.
2: <laughs> so then uh, looking at the, the GT class, again, two classes. There's the pro class, and then there's uh, the AM class or the pro AM class. And uh, the pro class is all factory efforts with uh, factory drivers, and then the the Ann class has um, professional drivers as well as same thing uh, businessmen who help uh, bring funding to the the program. And but the, the GT cars, they are they are 911, they are an M6, they are a Ferrari mm-hmm. uh, 488, they are a Ford GT, uh, they are a Corvette. So they're easier to relate to, and uh, it's even cooler for this year 2018 in the uh, the Wex series because BMW has come back. So there's mm. two cars there. Porsche for Le Mans is now bringing four cars. Wow. Aston Martin has their brand new, uh, I think four liter twin turbo V8 from Mercedes with their new uh, Vantage race car. Oh, cool. Ferrari has the, the 488, but they have their Evo version, which is uh, kind of like a, a Gen 2 um Modified with more aero and, and stuff to uh, make the car go faster. So technically, that's considered a new car. Porsche yeah. has their mid engine 911. Yeah, and- baby. Is it, and then, when does uh, which, it
1: stop being a nine eleven? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna <laughs> uh, this
2: is a rhetorical question. This is a rhetorical question, hey. but when
0: does it stop becoming a nine hey, eleven? Anyway, they've got mid engine history so they can do whatever they want. Yeah, okay. All right. Anyway. Well, um,
2: since you since you love Porsche's <laughs> and a lot of people like to, to pick on Fords for making a uh supercar uh built for that that class, I'll throw it back onto uh, Porsche and, and say Ford built a car to the rule book. Exactly called a no waiver car. They don't ask to move the engine or change suspension pickup points. Or
3: sure, uh, a sure, great point.
2: Porsche turning that 911 into a mid-engine car. That's uh, that's pretty extreme. They should build, and I'm calling them out. They should build a mid-engine 911 just like that. I think that would be awesome mm. for uh, a production standpoint. It'd be I awesome agree. for a Porsche M standpoint, and I'm sure a lot of people would jump on that. And they need to get over their uh, 911s need to be rear engine. But we're going to race the 911 that's a mid-engine. No, make a street car version.
0: You know what? I fully agree, agree you with you because yeah. that would just add to the 25 variants that you can already yeah. buy of the Porsche 911. We could yeah. add however many, because <laughs> we've least got the mid-engine target. the mid-engine GTS, oh, the mid-engine 4S, on and on and on. So then we'd, we'd have the mid-engine <laughs> T. It'd be the 911. <laughs> you know it, we would. It'd be
1: the 911
2: <laughs> MT. <laughs>
3: right.
1: Oh. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> what a great right? idea. you
2: call it an RSR. You <laughs> could just call the, whatever, GT3 RSR. Uh, street car. And I agree. That, that would be awesome. The, uh, That'd be awesome. brilliant. That would be very, very but cool. Billy, but,
0: you are right because I relate. I mean, there's these spaceships going around everybody at much higher speeds. The sure. LMP cars. It's the amazing boys, yeah. to see and amazing to watch. And you know, you see that in car footage and you're going, "Oh my gosh!" But I relate to the cars that you're driving—the Ferraris, the Porsches, the BMWs. Just because they are mm-hmm. somewhat close to streetable, mm-hmm. even though I know they're race cars, but I, I relate to that, and I just I like the battles going on personally. As much as we love Le Mans, yeah, those LMP cars are just, they're spaceships. They're rocketing around the track, but yeah. I think where the real, the fun action is from a viewership standpoint is the class you're in.
2: Well, definitely. the It's not just relatable, but uh, and everybody was going to complain about DOP not being fair and this, that, the other thing, but at the end of the day, there is such good racing in the, the GTE class, and now that we have new manufacturers, we have more cars, uh, great drivers, more really good drivers, just the competition is so high. It is definitely the show. It is definitely the, the thing to, to keep your eye on and uh, and follow. And on that note, I've uh, read some things uh, online that it looks like, I don't know if it's 2020 or uh, when they want to implement it, But it, and I think this is for the better for uh, the FIA and ACO to, to ditch the LMP1 cars and make the, the mm-hmm. fast cars. Uh, I think they're calling it, uh, it may be like LMP1 silhouette, where they look like real cars. Interesting. And I think that's more relatable and, mm-hmm. uh, and cooler, and hopefully it, it relates more back to uh, the GT1 cars, which I think was hmm. the, the hmm. coolest cars ever made, the McLaren F1 GTR, the Porsche yeah. uh, GT1 and uh, the Mercedes CLK GT1. Those things are just amazing and yeah. hopefully we can get back to that. That'd be really cool. And there cool. is
0: an entertainment value that the race organizers need to consider and it sounds mm-hmm. like they're doing that more because instead of just racing for the sake of racing, there's there's the fan standpoint and the you know the relatability that we're talking about. They have yeah, to yeah. incorporate that and it sounds like they're thinking about that more and more these days. I'll, th- I'll throw one at you and, then. Uh, I'll throw
1: one at you yeah. then. We have our friend Mike at uh, Cam Auto Mag. He says, all right, Put you and your teammates, you, Olivier and Stefan, in identically prepped fiestas. <laughs> Give you each ten laps at silverstone. this is good this is this is one of those political landmine questions. Welcome to a room full of rakes whos who sets the quickest lap time? who wins the, the race overall, and who's complaining that they got the slow car <laughs> And unless they're listening, you, you can. Is,
2: is going to complain they got the slim car. Of course they are, yeah. <laughs> yeah no uh, that's pr- no pressure. Is, that, that's a room full I'm of rakes. I know it is. <laughs> I think if you ask any all three of us, uh, you're going to get everybody saying they're going to be the fastest. They're going to uh, win the race. But I do a lot of the road car development for Ford. So I have tracked slower street cars down to Fiesta's, focuses on up to uh, the Ford GT. So running uh, street cars around a track, I, um, I'm I pretty good at that. So uh, I'm going to be a little bit biased and uh, arrogant like and say that uh, I can uh, probably beat them on that.
0: <laughs> like it. Well done. Well, yeah, you've got a foundation in, in the answer. I like that. There's a question over here from Scott D. He's asked a bunch of questions. Scott, thank you for writing in. On Instagram, he's saying, of all the cars you have ever driven in a race, which are probably many, if you could keep just one, which one would it be? Mm.
2: That's tough, but uh, again, I hate to throw the the Ford flag out there and don't want to be viewed as a overly biased person. But just my personal involvement with uh, the Ford GT, driving the the car, being one of the first drivers to drive both the production car and the the race car, and then to be able to race it, it means just a, a lot to me personally. And then just uh, what what the program has been able to accomplish and yeah. I'd have to uh, hand down pick before GT. I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to give you that one. I, I think I think your background with the car and what the car is, why not,
2: man? That's a
0: broad Well, a broad yeah, and you weren't just brought to the program here, plop you in a race car and start driving. You've got a long history with it. I yeah. mean, you've got the development yeah. history with it.
2: Ignoring that and uh – making the conversation a little bit more interesting to uh, non-Ford fans. The real uh, E46 M3 GTR was pretty awesome. Ooh, I would imagine. That sounds delightful. That sounds great.
0: Well, we've got to skewer our own interests. I mean, you Mm -hmm. know Todd loves Lotus, I love Porsche, but we have to skewer our own selves because we get, you know, we can't take ourselves too seriously, right? I mean, there's there's flaws with every car. You and I
1: rarely have a problem of taking ourselves too seriously. This is not our issue. So
0: yes, there's no problem waving the banner for Ford because we love Fords too we love everything about the race cars and what they're doing and I'm curious to see where they go we've actually talked about Ford pulling Billy as you probably know Ford pulling their cars Mm -hmm. from US over over time they're just not going to sell cars here anymore they're going after the SUVs the edge sports like you were talking about yeah great bold move what's next for Ford where I think everybody's waiting as we are too but uh yeah we love the race cars we love Fiesta STs and um Mm -hmm. They're maybe not quite seventy five hundred dollars yet, but
1: they're they're borderline disposable. But they're, and they're getting so there. much fun. Yeah, exactly. What, car, what other questions do you have, Paul?
0: I had a question for you, Billy, and it has to do with Formula E and mm. the fact that so many manufacturers are going away at the top level. The LMP cars, the Porsche, the Audis that you talked about, mm-hmm. are joining Formula E or electric racing programs. What other series do you and your teammates drive in? Have you considered Formula E? Have you been approached by any of these teams? It just seems like, you know, as much as we talk about electric cars, they are somewhat relatable to people now, but for the most part, they're not. They don't enter our daily lives, Mm -hmm. really. Somewhat, I'll say, and and we are driving a couple of them for our season three on Velocity. But But it's like 2% of the market share, though. Very much so. And that is, you know, how in Formula One, the technology does trickle down to road car technology you know the tires on formula e cars are designed to be the lower profile so that it does relate to later road car technology so therefore
2: well they are like road car tires they're treaded and yeah exactly
0: and, so it's that kind of thinking yeah. but you know back to the formula e programs or just electric car racing series in general does that interest you do you see a lot of teams going that direction are you bummed that audi and porsche pulled out just from a competition standpoint and now toyota's you know, I'm sure they're looking around going, great, but on the other hand... <laughs> this year's ours. <laughs> where did everybody go? Yeah. You know, I, I'm just curious your thoughts on that, just from, a, like I said, Electric and, and that series growing.
2: Well, to answer one of your questions, uh, my teammate Harry is uh, one of the test drivers on uh, one of the Formula E teams. So okay. he's involved in that. Me personally, I, I'm i not sure. I, I think there's just... Uh, not enough information out there or open information on uh, the the real impact of electric cars just with all the um, emissions and uh, environmental impact it takes to, to get that uh, lithium out of the ground, um, the fact that we can't recycle it yet or recycle it as efficiently. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, and I'm without more information on the true – impact that those have i can't uh comment on on that or really believe 100 percent in that Mm. but hybrids i think makes a lot of sense because they just improve the overall efficiency of a gallon of gas sure so i think that makes a a lot of sense and uh there's been some big heads of uh other companies who explain their skepticism of electric energy and and i think there's some uh, validity to that but that could also be uh, some political stuff on on their end so right now I, I don't really have a i don't think anybody has enough information to truly balance out to say electric cars are definitely better for the environment without looking at the whole picture but sure if you want to say yeah they don't burn gas so they're more efficient i, I think that's way too narrowly focused to uh, uh be able to to say that's the the case and with sub- government subsidies to make them less expensive and make electricity for them less expensive, it's, that could be a little bit biased. And, and I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to hold a reservation on that. And until, which might not ever happen, that uh, those kind of studies are, are done, but I do like the direction of hybrid. Um, it's, coming across all brands, all mm-hmm, levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the development that was done in LMP1 with uh, Porsche and, and Audi and, and that Toyota, yeah, for sure. uh, that kind of trickle down does make sense. And uh, as far as other series goes, I'm I'm not sure. I, I think wherever there's a good opportunity, if you uh, buy an opportunity to drive a Formula E car, I would definitely jump in that if it was yeah. a, a good program. So sure, sure. As a racer, it, it doesn't matter if it's a, a shopping cart. If, we're, if there's a shopping cart World final, I want to be in that. <laughs> this, is, this is how we know he's a
1: race driver. That's exactly right. But, you know, we've joked about it before, Paul. The reason that Audi and Porsche are now in Formula E is because what's diesel? I've never done right. We've, We've never heard of diesel. diesel. We have to distance, distance ourselves, ourselves as far as we possibly <laughs> yep. can from anything with diesel on it. So no let's I, go. you know what we should do. We should do electric racing. That's what we should do. <laughs> Nobody's ever thought of that. Anyway, uh, so there is a couple other questions that popped up here uh, for us. I had a couple I wanted to touch on really quickly. Uh, Jared asked for thirty grand, new GTI or used Mercedes GLA AMG forty-five. Oh,
0: I saw this question. Excellent.
1: I think it's the Mercedes.
0: I'm with you. And I say that yeah. because
1: of the personality of that car and because it's not common. It's the oddball choice, and it is. I, and I can't believe how fast those things depreciate, and they're fun.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with and you on the deal. They
1: do sound good. You're right. You're right. And then yeah. Kareem wrote into me and said, uh, Would I ever consider a C7 Corvette as my next car after the Lotus? Interesting you bring that up because every now and then I see one and I'm just like, hmm wonder that they, they are
0: they're very tempting for you i see an avora or a bmw 1m in your future those Both are of those cars those
1: are, are genuinely higher on the short list yeah, but I that have is to the say, the, <laughs> i have to say the c7 every time i see one or drive one is a genuinely tempting car what else do we have guys
0: well i uh, i've got well, a yeah, question of here fun
1: too. oh completely yeah
0: all right billy ed h on Be facebook seven. is yep. asking about the flashing lights of a passing lmp1 car so we're, a little bit back to the LMP, the big boys the spaceships rocketing by are they a problem when they're
2: roaring up behind you uh they definitely have extremely bright lights so in the middle <laughs> of the, the night when you have uh daylight shining in uh in your mirrors it's you can't tell where uh where they are or how fast they're approaching we have uh, a like delphi um, radar system that has a little chevron triangle thing that shows you how fast cars are approaching and where they're going. But, uh, and that helps a ton because without that, sure. uh, you'd be completely uh, guessing. And even then, you're, you're still guessing because you don't know what that, uh, that closing speed is. Hmm. Um, hmm. But I'd say the more difficult thing would probably be the, the LMP2 cars because uh, they actually have higher top speeds because they're not doing the, the regen uh, of the hybrid system. Before mm. the brakes, done like the LMP ones. They get up to speed really fast, and then they kind of stall out. They're uh, regening their hybrid system, and then they brake. So
3: oh, they don't have
2: as high of a top speed as the the P2s.
3: Hmm. So
2: because the P2s have a higher top speed, but their closing rate in the medium and low speed corners isn't as good, they're actually a little bit harder to to judge in terms of uh, where they are and uh if they're going on the the inside of you into a corner and and those guys love to dive bomb uh people <laughs> uh because they don't have quite as much power as the the P1s to just immediately drive by you exiting the corner which mm. i think the acceleration rate of LMP1s is just insane if if you've never seen one in person they are just crazy so the i'd say the the P2s are a little bit more uh concerning and hmm. the in the middle of the night
0: <laughs> interesting wow crazy crazy billy thank you so much for joining us we wish you all the success for, for June sure. coming up do you have some testing to be done are you traveling a little bit more before the race it's i think 16 17 that weekend in june is that right
2: it's uh it's coming up quick uh i just got back from some uh road car development with ford um uh, and then don't really have anything until the lamar test that's on the second, okay. So uh, coming up here in uh, about a week and a half, uh, wow. we'll be doing the the official Lamont test, and then uh, the week later is uh, the race.
0: Awesome! Well, at least you get a little downtime before you know ramping back up. But yeah, yeah, uh, man, we're excited to be watching, and I'm sure everybody will also be, and cheering you on, man. Thank you for so sure. much. Like we said, and uh, for joining us again, and. Love having you back on. It's just fun to hear that, that whole side of the you know, race, and we see it on TV or we see it wherever, but it's, it's very different to hear the personal stories from you.
1: Yeah, and also because of the fact that you and I, we get on track now and then throughout the calendar year. Billy's like, uh-huh. Yeah, you're driving a track. <laughs> We've Good done job, the 24
0: guys. hours of lemons in we a have. Subaru
1: Outback. Yes, it's, it's, it's nearly exactly the same. same. The same. It's exactly right? the same, yes.
2: Uh, what what well, I see helmets. From, Where's my invite? <laughs> well, that, that's, that's funny that you
1: say that because there is the part of me that just goes, just one year I want to show up at lemons where it's you and me and... Dale and Billy Johnson. It's like you know what we're going to sit here and we're going to let Billy drive. But yeah, that 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 would be a blast. We've got a ringer. It. The Super Outback team. I'd be down. Man, Call me up. I love it. I love it. How on earth is that Outback that fast? Well, let me tell you. Anyway, I love it. Thanks so much for being on, Billy. We love having you with us. Thank you guys for listening. As always, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail is our direct email address. If you want to sit in your own car debate. Oh, I should remind you. Oh. This is Podcast 299. Yes, it is. You know what me that means? Yikes. Sheer Madness is up next. Podcast yeah. 300 will be a all-questions podcast. Watch our social media because we will post for questions. We're asking for no car questions. It will be an hour of, honestly, I don't know.
0: <laughs> we'll have to see. That's coming up next podcast, so watch for the announcement on that. And, guys, thank you again. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.
1: ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere.